All right, welcome back to the big program just after 10 o'clock in Edmonton, and it's a chilly one. Minus 31 right now, minus 35 tonight. So uh, where are your woolies? Time to talk a little NFL football. And a lot of coaching changes uh, happening this year, one of them in Seattle, and that's why we bring in Brady Henderson from ESPN, covers the Seattle Seahawks. Brady, you're with Kevin Carius on Sports 1440. Thanks for hopping on. Good morning. Good morning. Did, did I hear you say minus 31? I'm, I'm guessing that's Celsius, and I just did the conversion on my phone. That 24. looks like about minus 24 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's minus 24 Fahrenheit. Uh, that's the, oh. it, It's cold. Um, and you know you know what the weather's going to be like in Kansas City. I'm sure you've heard for the playoff game uh, coming up this weekend. So cold there, too. I don't know. Ooh. Yeah, it doesn't sound like minus 24. I, I, a quick story, I covered uh, one of the coldest games in NFL history a few years ago when the Seahawks played the Vikings. I think it was January of 2016, and the Vikings had yet to move into their new stadium. So it was at University of Minnesota Stadium, and it was, I think, like minus 6 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And that I just it was unfathomable, unfathomable how cold it could feel, and I can't imagine it being... Uh, 18 degrees colder than that. Yeah, again, it's going to get... And, and Celsius and Fahrenheit, for our listeners, maybe some of them are newer, they don't know. When you get to minus 39, 40, that's where the, they meet. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just whatever whatever your conversion table you're, you're using, it's cold when you get down to whatever it is. So, um, yeah, exactly. But it was heating up in Seattle as far as news goes uh, yesterday with uh, Pete Carroll. Uh, you've had a couple of articles posted on ESPN, and one of the headlines is, is kind of, was it completely unexpected? So, uh, Brady, I'll just let you answer that. Uh, was it completely unexpected how this uh, shook down? No, no, it was not, just for a number of reasons. One, I think it had become clear that this team had kind of just gotten stagnant. And, look, I think a lot of NFL franchises would happily trade places with the success the Seahawks have had, not not just over the last 14 years, but even over the last nine years. Um, but that's also a stretch where, you know, they've made the playoffs a bunch of times, but just haven't really got over that hump. They have not got past the divisional round of the playoffs, and, over the last three years, they haven't even, or the last several years, I should say, they haven't even gotten there. And um, the last three seasons, they were 25 and 26, I believe. And so it just kind of seemed like a team that was treading water. Um, and then when you lose four straight games the way that they did over the second half of the season, then I, yeah, I think I think between the combination of the recent track record and the way this season went with just how much they underperformed on both sides of the ball, then, yeah, it definitely seemed like something that could happen. And, um, you know, then you heard Pete Carroll as, um, you know, on his final radio appearance of the season on his weekly radio show, he was asked, you know, whether or not he feels like the Seahawks are closer now than they were a year ago to the Super Bowl. And, and he said what you would expect him to say, which is yes, but there just really wasn't a convincing argument that they were. And, and he didn't really make one because I don't really think there is one. And, you know, he was, meanwhile, you know, over the last few days, he's meeting with ownership and he's having to sell that, that vision to them and um, to Jody Allen and, and whoever else is involved in those conversations. And if that's the best he could come up with on the radio, which was not a very compelling argument that they're any closer to the Super Bowl, then I don't know if, uh, it just, you know, I don't know what he could really sell to Jody Allen that would make her believe that. And so uh, I think that's why they made this, made this move. ESPN's Brady Henderson, our guest on Sports 1440. So do you think he stays on as an advisor to the football club, or do you think he moves on somewhere else to still coach? 
Yeah, I, I'm skeptical of the advisor role. I really get the impression that that was done as sort of a um, you know a gesture towards him to allow him to save face and to allow him to you know exit in the most dignified way as possible. You know, in lieu of just you know straight up being fired. Um, I don't get the sense that he's all that interested in an advisory role. And I think he he made he made a couple things pretty clear in his news conference yesterday. One was that this was not his decision. He said he fought hard. Uh, to continue to coach the team. That's what he wanted. That's what he said he wanted to do after the season. And it sounds like he, he vehemently argued for that uh, with Jody Allen. And he also said that um, he made it clear at the end of his opening statement, one of the more spirited moments of his press conference was when he talked about how you know jacked up he was and how fired up he is and how he's not tired or worn down. And um, so he sounds like a guy who still wants to coach. And I asked him at one point, you know, after he had kind of said a few things along those lines, if he would entertain another head coaching job, if the right one came about and he, um, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't shoot the question down at all. He said, I don't know. We'll see today is about today. And so I, I totally think he would at least entertain that thought if, if the right job came up, I don't know what that job would be. The one that comes to mind is the chargers, just given the LA ties. I know they're, um, you know, kind of in not a great salary cap situation, but he does have pretty deep ties in L.A. They do have a franchise quarterback in addition to some big-name players on that roster. So um, I I don't think you could rule that out, and I just don't think that, you know, this this advisory role is something that they really talked a lot about. I think it was more so um, just kind of a way to give him the most dignified exit as they could. Would he ever go back to college, Brady, or is that ship sailed? I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, I really do. With uh, just with NIL and the transfer portal, and he's had some comments kind of outspoken about just the state of the college game right now. And I just don't know if if any coach who has had you know that much success in the NFL, uh, let alone a coach at 72 years old, would want to go back and, and subject himself to that. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, I think the I think the college coaching mm-hmm. role. I think that ship has sailed. But you know, maybe there's. You know, could he could he be involved in the USC program at, uh, in some form or fashion? Maybe, but as a head coaching, when you got to deal with, you know, constantly having to worry about your guys entering the portal and worrying about the NIL and all that comes with that, yeah, I just don't see that at all. Brady Henderson from ESPN, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, we were talking about it off the top of the show, uh, Brady. Uh, just his place in, I guess, pro football and the Hall of Fame. Is he a Hall of Famer in, in the sense that he's an early ballot kind of guy? Or where do you see his legacy if he doesn't coach again, I guess? Yeah, I, I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. And, um, you know, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is not going to take into account the college success. But just if you're talking about his overall resume as a head coach, you know, he's one of only three coaches uh, in the history of the game to win both a national championship in college uh, and a Super Bowl. I believe uh, Barry Switzer uh, and Jimmy Johnson are the other two. And so um, tied for 13th in all-time wins uh, in NFL history, you know, won one Super Bowl, 10 trips to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a good feel for, like, first ballot and how that works with head coaches as much as players, but, um, yeah, I, I, I would think that he's got a very, very strong case to get into the Hall of Fame, and I would guess that he will at some point. So, Brady, where would you assess the state of this franchise, the Seahawks, moving forward, I guess, in the uh, new era, post-Pete Carroll era? Well, I don't know. Ask me in a month when they, when they hire a head coach. <laughs> I, and they've got some interesting decisions to make over the next 
uh, month or so, and, and the most important one being who's going to be the head coach. I, I think there's no, there's no surprise that the only real firm name that has been linked to the job so far is Dan Quinn. And it, it all along, that has made a ton of sense. Uh, you know, even the last few years, as Carroll's, you know, kind of coaching future has, has been, a, a, you know, an annual question towards the end of, the, of each season. Dan Quinn is a guy that's kind of been, you know, his name has been thrown around. And all along, it's made a lot of sense. And I think especially it does now, knowing that John Schneider is going to be leading this search. And, and you know, one thing Pete Carroll said yesterday, which I think is instructive towards this coaching search, is that one of the most important aspects of a football team is the relationship between the head coach and the GM. And those two guys, John Schneider and Pete Carroll, made it work really well for a long time, despite having, you know, an atypical arrangement where – the GM wasn't the one who had final say. Carroll had the final say uh, in, in personnel moves. And so, mm-hmm. but, you know, the personalities were such that, that they were able to mesh. Um, and I think that Dan Quinn and John Schneider would be even more of a natural fit personality wise. Uh, there's a pre existing relationship there from the time that Quinn spent in Seattle. I think, you know, this team really, the, the, the biggest issue that it's had and the biggest reason why they're in a position where, they're searching for a new head coach is because that defense has deteriorated uh, over the last decade. And so, you know, what better, what better guy for the job than the guy who coordinated, you know, some of those last great Seahawks defenses. And so um, I, I think there is an argument to be made to on the flip side of that, where if you're in a division with Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, that, you know, you, you, you've got to score to keep up with those guys. And that, in that sense, it might make sense to have an offensive minded head coach who could eventually groom uh, a young quarterback, but um, I, you know, who, I don't know who that guy is. I know if you're going for a defensive-minded head coach, then um, then Dan Quinn would make a lot of sense. He would check a lot of boxes. I think. Do you think Jim Harbaugh's name surfaces at all here in the next little bit? Um, I don't have a great feel for that. I, I don't have any inside information on that. What I do know, just from looking at it, you know, from afar, is that. Um, again, it goes back to the relationship idea. And, and the guy running this search, John Schneider, he's going to want a guy that he knows that he can work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that John Schneider knows enough about Jim Harbaugh to know that he would be a pain in the you-know-what <laughs> to work with, in addition to being uh, a complete weirdo, also in addition to being a great coach. And, and you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he would be willing to bite the bullet and, and, and you know, deal with uh, – you know, having to manage kind of a difficult relationship, but I don't know. Um, I just think that, you know, he's been around in the NFL long enough, and I think that Schneider has probably gotten a head start on, on you know, researching candidates, and um, I don't know. I just don't know if they would be as natural of a fit relationship-wise as, as Schneider would with Dan Quinn. Now, you know, I, would Jim Harbaugh be interested in it? Yeah, I think so, for, this, for some of the same reasons that we talked about, you know, why Pete Carroll wouldn't want to go back to college. I think mm-hmm. with the NIL and with the transfer portal, I think even just a, a good NFL job typically is going to be more appealing than a great college job because of that. And that's to say nothing of, you know, the opportunity for more money in the NFL. Um, so I don't doubt that Harbaugh might be interested in it, but I just don't know if Schneider would have that same interest in, in teaming up with a guy like Harbaugh. 
Brady Henderson from ESPN covers the Seattle Seahawks uh, with us on Sports 1440. So once they figure out who is going to be the head coach, uh, where do the Seahawks sit personnel-wise as far as uh, players that possibly are you know, looking at another contract or moving on with an extension or free agents? Uh, how, how does the roster shape up for whoever is going to come in here and coach this team? Well, the, the big decision and really the first decision personnel-wise that they have to make, Kevin, is with Geno Smith. And he has got um, a $12.7 million base salary for next season. That's part of you know, the overall $22.5 million that he'd be scheduled to make next season in, in overall pay. The $12.7 million base salary would become fully guaranteed if he's on the roster uh, by February 16th, which is five days after the Super Bowl. So you know, that, that's a deadline. Like You don't see teams keep a guy past the date at which his you know, salary becomes guaranteed and then move on from him because you'd have to pay that salary. So if you're going to move on, you're going to do it before that trigger date where the salary becomes guaranteed. So that is the deadline for Schneider and whichever coach he hires to make that decision. I think if, if Pete Carroll was, was still here and still had final say, I think the chances of Geno Smith being back next season were going to be pretty good. And, and, and that's not to say he might not be back anyways, but – it was clear that Pete Carroll had an affinity for Smith, and, and I think Smith on his own did a lot, especially over the second half of the season, starting with the Dallas game. Even with the two games he missed, um, you know, the games he played, he was pretty good, and there was a pretty big turn uh, in his play. And I think you could look at the struggles that he had in the first half of the season, some of them at least, and and you know kind of attribute some of that to just everything that was going on around him offensively and the issues with the injuries and uh, guys being in and out of the lineup and his own injuries and, and what have you. Um, so I, I think that Geno Smith, you know, the fact that Pete Carroll is no longer here, I think that makes his spot on the roster next season at least a little less secure in my mind. Hey, Brady, thanks for your time this morning. Any chance you want to hop on a plane and spend the weekend up here? we got a few outdoor rinks you can strap the blades on. It's only going to be minus 35 or so. You know, I at some point in my life, I want to visit lovely Edmonton, but I don't think that this is the time of the year to do it. And the way you, uh, you know, hearing, you know, minus whatever degrees, minus 30 degrees, I've never been more excited to stay at home and suffer through the Seattle rain than mm, now. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you want to come, just come in the summertime uh, when the football team, the Edmonton Elks, are getting going and starting to roll here. Uh, you'll you'll have a, an enjoyable night at the stadium and uh, maybe it's something to do on your bucket list. Uh, appreciate your time. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah, that sounds good. And yeah, thanks for having me. I'll talk to you later. All right, that's Brady Henderson. Uh, covers the Seattle Seahawks for ESPN. Uh, when we come back, Max Boltman from The Athletic will join us to uh, tee up tonight's Oilers-Detroit Red Wings game at, we wish it would be at Joe Louis Arena, but at Little Caesars Palace. Uh, that's coming up right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Ooh, that's a classic, Duke. Really, come on. Detroit Rock City. Got to be excited about that. You know what album that's from? No. I think I had the cover hanging on my wall back in the 70s. Duke. You ever you ever paint your face, go to a Kiss concert? I saw Kiss in 1979, Duke, in Regina. I'll tell you the story <laughs> after. I, I can't say it on the air, but I'll tell you the story after. 1979. 
I know you don't believe that, but well, that's oh, a lot. I, I believe yeah. it. I can't wait to hear the story. If it's not fit for AM airwaves, then it must be a good <laughs> wait, one. Wait till Mad Max hears it uh, coming up here. Uh, time now for the uh, Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. And Fountain Tire is uh, helping you stay on the road safely with flexible payment plans to suit your needs. Uh, talk to your local store about their financing options. Learn more at FountainTire.com. As we welcome in Max Boltman from The Athletic to Sports 1440. Morning, uh, Max. Uh, thanks for Coming on, uh, did you like your your intro, Detroit Rock City from Kiss? You know what? There was a while there where I didn't put it together, and I just thought that every radio station was using <laughs> Kiss as its bumper music, and it only just dawned on me waiting to come on here that they're playing it because I'm in Detroit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe you you must get, uh, when you do all these shows, maybe you get Motown music too, I, I'm assuming that. You know, yeah, I, I feel like it's. I, I really thought I was like, yeah, Detroit Rock City, the most common bumper <laughs> song in sports radio. <laughs> well, it's all for you, Max. Uh, Max Boltman from uh, the Athletic uh, to check uh, in with us and talk about tonight's uh, Oilers and Detroit game. In uh, well, you know, we were talking about. We had uh, uh, Ladislav Schmid, our co-host on. Thursdays, Max, and he was talking about Joe Louis Arena. I was talking about Joe Louis Arena. I did some games there twenty some years ago with the Oilers. But do fans in Detroit still talk about Joe Louis, or have they kind of moved on to where you know arenas are now? the the new The new bells and whistles, and everybody kind of forgets about how the old barns were. Oh no, I don't think Joe Louis will be will be forgotten soon, especially all the memories that were there. Ironically, one of the things people talk about most is they missed the urinal trough in the men's room. <laughs> I don't know if that one uh, that would be a popular take, but hey, I guess for those who lived it, right? You know, we've come a long way from the troughs to having. Uh, I don't know if you've been to New Jersey at the Prudential Center; they have the New Jersey Devils yeah. logo on all the urinals and all the flushing things and everything like that. So yeah, we've come a long way. So uh, tonight, uh, yeah, yeah, tonight, Red Wings and Oilers. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? Uh, Oilers come in uh, on an eight-game winning streak. Uh, so what? What are your general and overall thoughts of tonight's tilt in Detroit? Yeah, and I, I thought it was really interesting this morning. Derek Alone at his press conference was saying, you know, it's 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 not just the two big guys that everybody talks about. He watched them and came away really impressed with the way they forecheck. He was talking about they're they're really a much deeper team than than just those two big stars. And sometimes they get credit for. Obviously, I think you look at the season Zach Hyman is having, and, and he's got to be one of the uh, guys that he's alluding to there. But I thought it, there was an interesting point on the forecheck. I don't think the Red Wings have always handled. Those heavy four-check teams, uh, great this year. They, they are on a little bit of a better run of late. They've won four or five. They got their first sweep of the, the California teams on a, on a road swing in uh, 15 or 16 years last week. So they come in you know, on, on the upswing, too. and it, it should be a good test, I think, for both of these teams. Max Boltman from The Athletic, our guest on Sports 1440. When the Wings signed uh, Patrick Kane, and he's played 16 games, has 14 points, the team kind of went in a, a funk right when that happened. Was there an explanation in your mind why? It, it was. I, I think it was really two things happening at once. Obviously, he's coming in, and there's going to be some adjustment factor. But really, I think it was his second game. Dylan Larkin goes down uh, with, with the injury that he had against Ottawa, where he kind of got cross-checked by one guy into another guy and, and was obviously really scary scene was unconscious on the ice and David Perron in response to that uh, retaliated and, and took a really high uh, cross check uh, on, on a Senators player, not actually the one who would hit Larkin. 
he gets a six-game suspension, and JT Comfer was already out. And so, so really they were out three top six forwards at that same time. And I think I attribute that lull at the start of Kane's uh, time with them really more to that. It just so happened that they were concurrent at the same time they were without Lark and Comfer, their, their top two centers. Perron, obviously very important on their power play, and especially down low for them. He's probably their best player down low below the goal line and on the walls. So I think it was more that. Um, Kane, if you look, I mean, I think he was a point per game through his first 13 games with them, and I don't, I don't think it was him. Maybe you saw a little bit of deferring to him. I, I do think I saw that, especially uh, the first 10 games or so. But I think it was more about the guys they were missing more than anything else. Max Boltman from the Athletic, uh, guesting with us on Sports 1440. Uh, is uh, Alex Lyon playing tonight? He's getting the start. That's the expectation, yeah, and he's been really good. He's, uh, you know, 920, I think, save percentage on the year, which is outstanding, obviously, and not the the heaviest workload. I think he's only at 12 games, but really that that has come in a pretty contained stretch. He didn't get his first start until they were in Sweden in mid-November. So since then, he has played like a starter for them, and he has been really good. Split the net a little bit with Villahusa, a little bit with James Reimer, but um, Lyon's been really good, and I think you, you notice the confidence that he has in the net. I think that when he's, it, when he's in there, it extends to the rest of the team as well. Where have they been at, like, you know, with injuries, Huso's out, and, uh, you know, James, James Reimer, when he was getting starts, was pretty good. Uh, how would you assess the goaltending picture as a whole? Yeah, it's been kind of up and down, I guess, is what I would say. Like, Huso's hurt right now, and even at the beginning of the season, I don't think he was kind of the same guy that they saw for the first four or five months of last year where he looked like a legit, you know, 50-plus game starter. It had been a little more hit and miss. All their goalies have had instances where they've given up uh, soft goals at times. Um, And I think Lyon's been the one who's best able to recover from those. Reimer had a great start to the year, let in a couple tough ones, and I don't really feel like we've seen that guy since, probably since mid-November. And so um, Lyon has, with Huso out, really taken the reins and it's kind of interesting I think that I think it's the first shot of the game both of the last two games um, but it might just have been the first chance but I think it was the first shot on goal he's let in both of the last two games both of those games he rallies and turns in a really strong effort the rest of the way so um, that I think has been the the difference in why he separated himself has been the ability to recover from the mistakes that all three of their goalies have have made this year. What about Mo Sider on the back end, uh, Max? How would you assess his play, and how would you kind of assess his usage, I guess could say that? Yeah, I, I, I think he continues to improve. I know that the, some of the flash that he showed as a rookie, you know, he used to do this kind of spin move uh, on, on keeps and then right at the top of the blue line that I think you see a little less from him. I think that's the natural evolution of a young defenseman where you realize, hey, it might be really cool when you pull it off, but there's some risk to this. I think he continues to simplify his game. Um, you don't see as many guys kind of taking the runs at him. He used to he used to catch guys with a reverse hit as they would try to finish a hit on him. I think word got out pretty quick that that wasn't going to work on him, and so you don't see that too much anymore. Um, the usage, you know, he, he's certainly getting as tough of assignments as he's ever gotten, and I think that does lead into you know there are moments where I think he is still trying to do too much against guys that he really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the defending and the simplicity in his game continues to trend up. I think he's as productive as he's been or, or close to it in the NHL so far this year, um, and, and I think he continues to, to progress. I think they still want – I think there is still more in his game. I think there is another level for him to reach, another level of, of controlling the game that he can reach, and I think uh, you know offensively there's more production to be had, especially the more he plays 
on the top power play, but it continues to be, you know, one of their just absolute pillars, mm-hmm. um, both right now and for the future. He's still playing, you know, 21, 22 minutes every night. Max Boltman uh, from The Athletic, our guest on Sports 1440. And on the subject of usage, I'll paraphrase a text coming in uh, from uh, Brett to our text line, one 401 And circle back to Patrick Kane. He just would like to know about his usage uh, on the power play. Uh, what can you kind of say about that, Max? What, what shocked me is how much they used him right away. And a big part of that was those injuries and, and how they were down. But you expect a guy coming off that surgery where there really was no precedent for him to, you know, return at, at full form right away. And I'm not going to say he's the Patrick Kane of 2013 or anything, but they were using him 19, 20 minutes right away. And, and even on a back-to-back, I think in his first week, they played him on a back, both nights of a back-to-back. I did not expect that for him. And then on the power play, um, I think by now they, they, they're they up to two power play units, and I don't know that they're really calling him power play one, power play two. He's on the, the power play unit that... I guess I would call power play one opposite the Brinkett, but at times they've each kind of been more effective. They, they've experimented with different looks there. Um, I, I think on the power play, the one thing I noticed, I think when he gets it, I think everyone kind of tends to freeze up a little bit and just, what's, he, this, what's this guy going to do? I think that's something they're still maybe working through a little bit, but the, the chemistry with the Brinkett is obvious, and he, he loves to make that cross-slot pass to find the Brinkett on the other side for uh, for a one-timer. The Brinkett's got a couple mm-hmm. of posts off it recently, so that's something maybe you, you looked and you, you say he's due for to, to bury one of those uh, tonight or, or, or this week. Um, you know, Max, a player that kind of got away, I guess you could say, from Edmonton and the Oilers and the organization several years back was Jeff Petrie, now in Detroit at 36 years of age uh, and in his hometown. You know, we know the story with his dad, Dan, and everything. Uh, what kind of a fit has Jeff Petrie been with the Wings? Yeah, it was an interesting one because they have a top defense prospect in Grand Rapids, Simon Edvinson, who was injured uh, this summer. And I don't know if anyone knew whether Edvinson would be ready or not. I think Petrie certainly made them more veteran, more experienced, deeper. Um, it's been interesting now because Edmondson turned out to be healthy in training camp. And so one of the big things is, is he blocked. And so mm-hmm. I think you look at the seven defensemen the Red Wings have and are rotating between, and it, it's become kind of a storyline of like, how do they make room for their for this top prospect? Do they make room? And, and so far they really haven't. Um, and, and Petrie, I think, has been one of their most relied upon guys. Early in the year, for me, I thought it was a little bit of a slower start than I expected. There were a couple scratches in there for him. But I think of late, they've been really happy with him. And, and he played with Ben Sherrod, obviously, a lot in Montreal when they were there together. And uh, they, they've, those two have been reunited, and they're, they're taking some uh, big minutes on the second pair for Detroit. That that's kind of been their uh, their heavy pair that they like to go to. So um, I, I think it's trended up as, as the year has gone on, and it'll be interesting to see how it takes shape the rest of the year and, and if, they, if they try to make room for Edmonton or mm-hmm. if they just roll with the seven that they have. So do you think, uh, Max, that they're just trying to be extremely – extremely patient with Simon Edvidson? I, I It's a great question because he's, he's an AHL all-star right now. He just got mm-hmm. named to that game yesterday. He's been really good. And um, to me, when I've watched him in the AHL, I think, okay, this this looks like he's NHL ready. I don't know if it's that kind of classic over-ripen thing that you've seen in Detroit for mm-hmm. years now, dating back to, to Ken Holland, or if it's, you know, they don't want to risk losing a defenseman to waivers. They've been kind of unusually healthy on the blue line, and I'm sure that that's something they're happy about. And if they were to make room, so to speak, for Edmondson, um, you don't want to risk losing one of those guys that you're pretty happy with, those veterans up front, to waivers, and then you do get an injury and you don't have them anymore. So 
Um, it's possible that it's more about just kind of resource management. I think there, there are things in his game that certainly they still want to see more urgency. He can look a little bit casual out there, but his poise is a little bit of his his superpower back there too. So it's an interesting thing where, when you listen to them talk about it. It sounds like they're saying, hey, it's not going to hurt him to play big minutes in Grand Rapids. And if the time comes, they need to make make space. They will, but that's a it's a daily talking point here in Detroit of, of what's mm. what's going to happen there. When's it going to happen? All that. The Athletics, Max Boltman, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, how happy would you say Derek Lalonde and Steve Eiserman have been with uh, Alex DeBrinket to leading the team in scoring? And has he been as advertised as he's doing what they want and what they need to do and what he needs to do to help this team? You know, make the playoffs and have a push here. Yeah, obviously they're they're all star representative, and Lalone actually said today you know, he, he thinks he probably should have more production than he even does just off of some of the chances he's gotten. I think he's at 17 goals right now. Uh, it wouldn't be a shock if he had you know two, three, even four more based on I, I mentioned the other day some of the posts he's hit recently. So you, you do get the sense he can be a streaky player as most scorers are, and you do get the sense that he might be due for a a streak of you know four and three games or something like that. Um, but he's been a really good player. They, they they wanted to address scoring coming into this season. It was their biggest weakness a year ago. Uh, their top five scoring team in the league. So uh, they have certainly done that, and I think he is a, a core reason why he's, he's fit right in. And I think um, actually over the last few weeks or so, you've also seen really since Kane arrived, there just seems to be that extra little jump in his step. And you, you notice him, I think, more disruptive on the forecheck too even. Uh, which I think is an important thing for them because they they do they are a little bit smaller um, up front, especially on the wing, and I think they need uh, to make sure that he, you know even without that heaviness maybe to to their makeup that they're still able to force those turnovers. I think he started to become kind of a part of that answer. Max, what's it been like to interview uh, you know interact with uh, head coach Derek Lalonde? Uh, I was talking about this earlier in the season and the fact that. You know, whenever uh, it happens that the U.S. has a best on best, whether it be, you know, in 2025 or the Olympics down the road, I think this could be a candidate for the U.S. team as a head coach. Uh, what's that relationship that you've kind of fostered in the media and everything like this uh, working with Derek Lalonde? Yeah, he's been great to us. And I, I think, you know, he, he's a, a loose personality, which is always good, right? He, he'll, he'll joke around with you, and that's great. And What I appreciate the most is he's transparent. He doesn't really do the thing where he makes you – wait out, you know, the, the goalie or the, the, the game-time decision on a player unless it's truly a game-time decision. Usually he'll tell you at morning skates or at practice, this is what, what you're thinking. Certainly as a reporter, you love that. You love that, that he's willing to joke around a little bit. So that's been great. And, and I agree with you. He was on the staff for their World Championships team uh, this past year um, for the U.S., and I think he would be among the candidates uh, for, for an Olympic team or a best-on-best, best, as you said, whatever, whatever form that might take. Uh, I, I got to think he'd be in consideration for a staff for that as well. Hey, Max, thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. And just one last one. When, when Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl come to town, still a bit of a buzz in the building? Oh, absolutely. I always say he's it, – it's it's changed only because of Shoei Otani, <laughs> but I always say that he was the only athlete that I would consider – spending money to go see him oh, right now and then uh, Otani I have done it since he's come to Detroit a couple times he's a spectacle but McDavid's still right there too and you know you, you talk about I was actually in my, my men's league locker room last night talking to one of my buddies who was he was bummed he's like every time they come to town and I have tickets he's out and now they're coming to town tomorrow and he's in oh. so I know at least one guy who's still looking to grab a pair of seats tonight uh, to come see Connor it's, it's a show every time yeah it's going to be cool did you see Otani pitch or just hit 
that was the best part is I saw him a game where he pitched and hit a home run oh. in the same game. Oh. So he threw eight innings of one run ball and then homered and uh, later in the game. The only thing I, I wish, so he had, he had th- he took a no hitter into the eighth inning this year and I wasn't there. I was at the uh, world world junior summer camp. So he took a no hitter into the eighth inning in Detroit this year. I would have loved to be at that one, but still an all time memory for me seeing him, him pitch and, and hit a homer in the same game. That's well, pretty heady company when you say that you'd only pay pay for a ticket to watch Connor McDavid and Shohei Otani. Pretty cool. That's right. Yep. Hey, thanks, Max. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye. That's Max Boltman from The Athletic in Detroit and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. You know, Duke, when you're driving around town and when it's minus 35, you can feel your tires. You know, it's like... You know, it's just, it's not smooth. How's that sound? You know, no. You know, especially the first, if, you're, if your car's been parked for a while and you just start going, you feel, it's like you went over square, a rumble. It's like you got square, square it's like, tires. It's like, the, it's like the Flintstones, you know, he got those wheels, with, you know. It's like me out of the bar on a Friday night, square wheels. Saturday night <laughs> too, Duke. Saturday well, night too. Yeah, we can apply that to every day of the week, Kevin. How's, uh, how's that? Uh, yeah, and we're going to talk about you got like last night you were busy. We're going to be busy. You're going to be busy tonight. Somehow I weaseled out of this <laughs> Critters game tonight. Yeah, I well, guess I guess you got to you know watch the Oilers game. And I'll be watching on the bus on my phone. Mm-hmm. They should have it. Is there a chance? And the bus is beautiful, right? We had a di- so I've only been once, okay. right? Um, rest before the Christmas break, and because of a scheduling mix up with the uh, the charter company mm-hmm. stuff, we had a bus that isn't the usual bus, is what I was told. Okay. So it was. I mean, I don't know. Like it was a standard. Like it's just like every other bus I've ever taken into a hockey game in my life. <laughs> and it wasn't a school bus, so that's that much I was thankful for. Uh, but yeah, it's got some got some screens in there. Some uh, it was a newer one because it had plugins for your phone. Mm, yeah. So um, for that, I was also thankful. Uh, keep it juiced up when I watched the first quarter of the Chargers Raiders game back on that fateful Thursday night. Mm. Uh, of course, we're talking about the CFCW Critters in Pinoca. We'll touch on that and some other topics. Busy night in the NHL with some critical key games. Uh, we'll wrap things up with a tiny little bow. Coming up on the Kevin Carey Show with the Duke on Sports 1440. Stay with us. You were a pickup man. Oh, this is, this is you, Duke, in a nutshell, isn't it? That's Joe Diffie, correct? The one and only. Yeah. Rest in peace. So, yeah, when did he pass away? A couple of years ago? Uh, right at the start of the pandemic. Hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of seeing you at the Delburn Bar every Friday and Saturday night. Correct? Well, I will be back there Friday night, I think, for at least a couple post. Well, I don't mean this weekend. I'm talking about... When I was a younger man? Yeah, for, you know, mid-20s. How's that sound? Well, I didn't spend a lot of time at the Delburn Bar in my mid-20s because I was living in Edmonton for most of them. I guess that was more my early 20s mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know we, we, we didn't because my when i was living back at the farm it was during the pandemic so delburn yeah, you weren't going out delburn bar sure wasn't going to be open okay pre-pandemic you were probably what's the other bar near delburn that you'd be well the, when i was younger if i was back home for a weekend or holiday break or something from from school we'd be heading into red deer to hit up billy bob's uh, or Bellini's, which was the adjoining one. But Bellini's had a pretty good reputation for attracting a bit of an older crowd, particularly mm-hmm. women. Uh, so it was a great place to go check out if uh, if you were in the market. But Billy Bob's, your very traditional uh, country bar. That, like, Billy Bob's was, and I think Bellini's was too, 
were there for they're both gone now unfortunately like a lifetime like my dad went mm-hmm. there when he was when he was a young man wow wow but gone are gone are the they apple na- doesn't fall far from the tree duke gone are they now uh <laughs> replaced by a new casino hmm. unfortunately haven't been into it yet i've told i've been told it's all right though text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. the nard dog says man that was a great joke about having square wheels duke then kevin just pierre mcguired you haha what's that mean about Flintstones? Well, no, because you afterwards, like, I kind of made the um, the joke, like, almost the punchline, and then you and you're like, but also Saturday night. So, oh. like, it is kind oh, of... Oh, I like, thought he was talking about... I thought he was talking about the wheels being Yeah, square. so, like, I made, the like, the oh. punchline, the square wheels, like, we were talking about it, and I was like, yeah, me at the bar on a Friday night, and then oh. it was like, you, you just... And a Saturday night. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know, you, you were the color commentary on my play-by-play. Oilers in action tonight in Detroit, looking to make it nine wins in a row. And, you know, it's quite it's quite amazing when you think about the fact that this is the second opportunity in like a month, you know, that they've had a chance to go for nine wins in a row, which, you know, if you do one of those a year, that probably sets you up quite nicely for, you know, making the playoffs. But you do two of them in in a month i mean that's that's pretty darn impressive uh you know they did it uh, twice before one was at the end of the of last year and then one way back but this is a good opportunity we've looked at the schedule again all these games are very very winnable in january toronto's here next week and you know when the leafs play here it's always a big buzz it's one of the highlights of the year for fans of, lots lots you know, of leafs fans roll into rogers Oiler fans sell their tickets, unfortunately, because well, they, you make a killing on them. You're buying, just say you're buying season tickets. Yeah. And you go, well, and whatever they may be, just use X amount. Well, you could probably dust off 25, 30% of your ticket price for, if you've got a package, whatever it is, for that one game. So my, uh, my buddy, the big Cebolla. Oh, is he's he, a yeah. Leafs fan, right? That's right. He is. Yeah. That, yeah. You, Cause that's, uh, that's what started with you giving him the gears that night at the uh, century <laughs> casino was figuring out he's a Leafs fan. Uh, so yeah, Denton, he'll be amped for that one. Uh, he, they're in the middle of calving though. So, uh, that's, uh, with this cold weather, that's pretty tough to sneak away for, uh, for a night. That's tough. Especially like with the, you know, it's obviously hard on all the help. But I mean, the animals, it can get pretty dangerous. And it, 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 I'll be honest, and it, it's its kind of weird, but like each day when I get out of the house and walk to my truck, which has already been running for 50 minutes, so it's warmed up by like, I do, I, my mind immediately fleets back to, to the farm and thinking, you know, uh, my dad and, and whoever's uh, the rest of my family out there giving a hand and the animals. And it was like, man, I can't, can't imagine. But I mean, hey, that's part of a, it was a pretty strong motivating mm-hmm. factor to, uh, my career change. <laughs> I'm, although, I would say. although we're we're not exactly sitting by the cozy fire here. What do you the think the temperature today. is in here? It's gotta be like nine degrees. Like you can almost see your breath. It's it's like Laddie was rubbing his hands together. Like my toes are cold. Mine are too, and I got Crocs on. And you you notice it? Like so, I just went out to uh, to go use the restroom when you're mm-hmm. on with Max. Came like as soon as you stepped through the door of like the general area here behind us in Stingray into our studio, it the temperature drops at least ten degrees. Like I'm, I'm gonna wear a toque tomorrow. <laughs> Connor's wearing his. Connor's right now. wearing his. Yeah, I'm gonna wear a toque tomorrow. Uh, I just got an email from Greg Pilling, who is uh, 
just a wonderful guy. And Bill worked in the business and sales for many, many years. He's a former Edmonton Oil King. He's a pretty tough customer. He used to coach in the all over the place. He coached in Roanoke, Roanoke, uh, West Virginia, uh, Philadelphia. Anyway, yesterday or the day before, you were we were talking about Roseanne Barr. Yes. And Rosie O'Donnell. And he started giving me the gears about that. But we ended up talking about in a league of their own, where Rosie O'Donnell was the third base, and I guess, hey, eh? I think she was third base. She yeah. went in the stands. Remember, she caught that ball in the stands and came out and had a hot dog in her mouth? Yeah. Yeah. So I think she was third baseman. Uh, so I just wanted to share this because this has a lot of, uh, a lot of our listeners probably will be going, oh, yeah, this was, I remember this sort of thing. So this is from Greg Pilling. He says, not sure if you are aware, KK, but the solid Edmonton hockey connection to the AAGPBL. That was the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. So Billy Warwick, who used to hang out at the rink all the time up on the catwalk, he had this thing called Billy's Guide, and he would hand it out to all the media people and uh, he wore a trench coat and a hat. He was a good hockey but I think he played in the Penticton V's. So he was a really good hockey player back in the day. The sister of Billy Warwick, uh, who actually was an ex-Oil Kings coach, played the first two seasons in the league uh, for the Rockford Peaches. He says, I remember Billy telling me she was one of the originals who played. She was born in Regina, lived most of her life, though, in Edmonton. A baseball card said she had a sure glove. 189 games was a speedster. Swiped 103 bases. And then another player, Doris Shiro, who was, uh, uh, this is according to Pill, he believes it was Freddie Shiro's sister who used to coach the Flyers. So kind of some neat angles there. Played for the Racine Bells. Uh, and just some cool stuff regarding that. So thanks for Pill. Thanks to Pill for sending that in. Uh, Imitation Tom has texted in Duke, and you've been replying to him. Uh, it's hard to take you guys serious when I spend time at minus 43. So that means he's somewhere where it's minus 43 so, uh, with wind chill or what? I would think so, yeah. I've seen a couple things on my social media. I was a couple of my friends that work in the uh, the trades or maybe out in some more remote areas of the province that uh, they're – their filter, their temperature <laughs> filter on their their selfies on Instagram or Snapchat, we're reading minus forty three or in that neighborhood. So I get it; it's cold out there, and mm-hmm. we're uh, we are complaining. But the thing ah. is, we're we're we. This is supposed to be a cushy office job type <laughs> thing, right? And my toe, I should have wore thicker socks. Yep. Imitation Tom says today in Edmonton it's minus forty three with the wind chill. Yeah, it's cold. I mean, we deal with it all cold the time. Cold is cold. We deal with it all the time. So cold they're closing the ski hills. Mm-hmm. Now that we finally got snow. One of Edmonton ball teams comes from the beer man. Can't remember which one had a league of their own night and brought in Doris, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. Uh, JDO says, yeah, you've got a commercial HVAC guys around. Uh, <laughs> I got my ticket with a guy who was a, was a guy from West Edmonton Mall. But, yeah, all our sponsors, are. we've got about three, four furnace companies. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to get them in here. Get them in here. Get a little, uh, a little corner space heater or something. On a serious note, Mitchell says, it's crazy that the Oilers have had this many, many winning streaks through the season and barely in the playoffs and it is but that's what happens when you start two nine and one the way i look at it that first uh streak earlier uh earlier this month that kind of helped erase the bad start put you back on even footing and now this current one has allowed them to kind of 
vault themselves back into not only, of course, the wild card contention where they currently sit, but actually back in the mix for a divisional playoff spot with kind of a, a pretty so-so ho-hum stretch for both Vegas and Los Angeles mm-hmm. recently. Having said all that, Duke, if you go on a two or three or four game losing You're streak, right back out of it again. You will be back to where the Minnesota Wild are and sitting in seventh spot in the wild card. The parity in both conferences right now, I was looking at this this morning when I was bringing up the standings. So currently in the East, the New York Islanders sit in wildcard spot one with 46 points. Five spots down in sixth, the Detroit Red Wings with 44. Mm-hmm. So that's a six, six teams within two points of each other at the top of the playoff race. And then in the Western Conference, it's pretty comparable. The Predators with 45. Uh, you drop down the Flames in six with 41. So it's, uh, it's all tight. It's close. There's only a couple really bad teams, and unfortunately my team's one of them, but that's okay. They'll get a top five draft pick? I would hope so. Who, what's their biggest need in Anaheim? All of the above? Well, you know, after as of earlier this week, they might be in need of a high-profile right-hand shot defenseman <laughs> that can play both sides of the puck. You know, it's funny. Because of all their defensive prospects, Kevin, Tristan Luno is the only one that plays on the right side. Wow. Uh. Driving to the game last night, we played at the Meadows, the alumni versus media. Uh, I had the radio on Philadelphia-Montreal game. Mm-hmm. They were comparing Drysdale to Dan Boyle. I would say that's a pretty apt comparison. I mean, obviously, Jamie Drysdale is still very young, and most of my mem- like my first memory of Dan Boyle is, of course, the 4 Cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had some very prolific offensive years with both Tampa Bay and San Jose. I, I don't see Drysdale um, fleshing out as a high point producer. I think he probably tops out maybe 40 to 50 points. But I I know you said this when we were talking about this yesterday morning, Kevin, that you don't think he's a very good defender. And he is undersized. Mm-hmm. But like I said, he's such a good skater that that naturally makes him a, a more apt defender, the ability to get back in position, even if he gets beat, like makes a bad read. So I think he kind of goes out as a very good two-way guy that can still run a top power play unit, but like I said, probably tops out at 40, 50 points. Let's keep an eye on him. Let's I, keep an I eye on him. I will be keeping very close mm-hmm. tabs because... Uh, you want to be rating this trade for years to come? I, well, we certainly will be. this uh, Because of what everyone says about Cutter Goche, top five prospect in hockey. This this has a chance to be a rare win-win trade, I think. Yeah. But also, depend, like if Goche reaches these like upper, upper echelons, then of course the Flyers kind of look look foolish but what are they going to do he didn't want to play mm-hmm. so you got to move him busy night in the nhl uh 13 games the oilers in detroit are one of them some key games and a couple that i think fans will be i guess keeping an eye on vancouver and pittsburgh that's one that will catch my eye tonight also boston and vegas later in the night so besides the oilers and detroit uh, a couple of other ones and we'll have them all up to date for you tomorrow morning at seven with our co-host eddie Steele, who was out last night big burly right winger just just cruising up and down the right wing he got the primary assist on that goal i said about earlier where i was at so my point shot pad save eddie got the first whack at it should have finished like i'll be honest should have finished goalie made a good save um, and then I can't remember whom it was that uh, tucked it in on the other side for the goal. Eddie, our, our first of the night for the Eddie team. remind me of a young Cam Neely out there. Oh. Like no one wanted anything to do with him. With pace up the wing. <laughs> Bought some new equipment crash, and everything crash for Crash in the net. Yeah. Did what he had to. Oh, I was, a, yeah. I was, a, I was impressed he, with Eddie. He's going to, you watch, he's going to turn in, he's going to start playing more on the outdoor rink. 
He's going to start doing because he's you know he's, maybe not this weekend. <laughs> I bet he will. You know, but he's gonna he's gonna keep working at this craft and be because he's gonna play in a lot of these charity games, yep. things like that. So you you watch. He's and gonna he, work. Like, out. like I said, I, I was very impressed. This is a guy that was a pro athlete in a completely different sport. And he's out there skating around with us as if he's been playing his whole life. Yeah. So good for Eddie. We'll talk about that with Eddie tomorrow morning. Uh, coming up, top of the hour, it's Fantasy Frenzy with the former Ross Shep Tiber, Connor Alley, and the Duke of Delburn at uh, 12 o'clock. The lowdown with Alan Mitchell till two when Jason Greger takes us home till six o'clock. Thanks to all our guests that uh, came on the program today Fred Greetham from the Orange and Brown Report, uh, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, Jeff Delorier. Uh, Brady Henderson from ESPN and the Seattle Seahawks and Max Boltman uh, teed up tonight's Oilers-Wings game. Plus, our co-host every Thursday from 8 o'clock to 10, the great Ladislav Schmied. Uh, tomorrow, again, Eddie Steele will be with us right off the top at 7 o'clock. Thanks so much to you, our listeners, for taking time to spend with us uh, this morning from 7 to 11. And all the texts that came in, we truly enjoy your interaction. Top of the hour, it is Fancy, Fantasy Frenzy. Thanks for listening today. Uh, up next, though, uh, sports update with the Duke.